0: welcome to the dig in travel podcast where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts and now here's your host istok franco founder of digintravel.com your number one resource for travel digital e-commerce and marketing hi this is istok and welcome to episode 23 of the dig in trail podcast before we start i have two announcements for you today first we just published the start date for the first batch of the Digging Trail Airline Digital Academy. We'll start on May 10th, so in a bit less than three months. There are only 30 spots, and if you want to learn about airline digital with me and three other great digital experts in a small group and on real airline cases, please check diggingtrail.com/academy. I promise we'll have a lot of fun and you will meet a lot of great and interesting people. The second announcement is that we published 2021 Airline Digital Trends report last week. It's a 40-page report that includes quotes from 23 airline digital leaders and their insights on how they see the future unfold. More than 500 digital pros downloaded the report in the first few days, so if you haven't done it yet, you haven't downloaded it yet, you can find it on digintrail.com slash blog on today's episode we'll talk about robots and innovation robotics and robotic process automation was one of the digital trends I identified when I was doing research for our 2021 erasure recently talked about robotic process automation and I know Turkish Airlines is doing it now I don't know much about robotics but I know it will matter soon for both airlines and airports. To learn more about it, I talked to Ravinder Ravi Singh. Ravi was a chief information and innovation officer working for an airline, but more than that, he built his own airline robot on his own with his team while working for an airport. He is a true visionary and incredibly passionate when he talks about the future of airline and airport experience how robotics fits in. I think Ravi's ideas on how to improve airport passenger experience with new digital touch points are really relevant for all airline digital marketers. We also talked about innovation and how to do it in the time of crisis like the one airlines are facing now. I hope you'll enjoy my talk with Ravi. I definitely learned a lot of new things from him. Hi Ravi, and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast.
1: Thanks, and it's a pleasure and an honor to be part of your uh, program.
0: Yeah, I was uh, watching and uh, curiously your work, especially what you post on LinkedIn, on YouTube. And there are so many exciting things that I wanted to talk to you about, about the robotics, about all the innovation and the digital trends uh, for the airline industry. so maybe before we start, Ravi, how are you connected to the airline industry? Because you worked for an airline, but I think you were connected even before and even p- privately. You are a pilot if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: I'm an engineer and I'm a computer science as well as an aerospace engineer. So that's the that's, that's connection. So, and now, it, now, now it's a great time because convergence of computer science and avionics and aircraft engineering is converging. So these are exciting time. Uh, I've been associated um, uh, as a, as a, with, with various government agencies and international agencies as a rescue pilot for, for a pretty long time, a couple of decades now. Airlines actually happened, uh, you know, five uh, five years back. You know, you know, uh, when when I was told to set up uh, tech and create the charter for innovation uh, for an airline. But before that, I worked um, uh, for for a group known as Airworks, which was uh, involved in uh, general aviation MRO, you know, airline MRO, uh, insurance of uh, uh, you know, private jets, chartering of private jets, flight management, uh, camo uh economics uh, of selling and buying aircrafts um, uh, and almost a painting livery of aircrafts and It was fascinating uh, to see um, that 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 you try to reinvent um, a family run business uh by by do by doing strategic acquisitions and when you do strategic acquisition, you learn a lot about uh, those companies. And when you learn uh, uh, more about companies which are in aviation, you apparently know uh, have to know about aviation, and you have to be passionate about that. So, so, so true. The journey started, uh, you know, way ahead. Also, when you are doing mergers and acquisitions of any any of any company, and especially in 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 aviation per se and in aviation, which is in the civil uh, side of uh, of aviation, uh, you understand that if valuation of those companies have to really go up. Tech has to play a very very important role now that tech can be a tech of instrumentation, avionics robotics uh, manufacturing painting livery, or uh, computer science systems and enterprise systems uh, so so that's how uh, you know I got involved so in that way, my involvement uh, with aviation is is way 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 long
0: like you said being having these engineering backgrounds always trying to Look under the hood or keep your hands dirty. I think, like you said, trying to build your uh, build your stuff, uh, build the stuff on your own. Where did the fascination or let's say the enthusiasm? Or robots and robotics uh, come from okay. No, no, that's that's very interesting. Okay, <clears throat> now um, uh,
1: usually when we talk about robotics in any place in the world, you know, you know, uh, whether it is uh, more more so in in, in 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 a place like India, which is young, uh, democratic, uh, you know, uh, GDP is still uh, growing but not yet there. Unemployment is there. Uh, the moment you say robotics, the whole attention actually goes into the politics of skill and employment and all that stuff. Uh, the robots will kill our jobs. Yeah, the robots will kill our jobs. And and the moment uh, you you basically say, hey, by the way, robots are part of uh, industrialization, and then, then there's a serious debate. Because if you actually look at uh, Industrial Revolution, which happens post-World War II, uh, the kind of jobs which were there post-World War, And if you take aviation, per se, as an example, those jobs were not there anymore, you know, know, both in terms of how you fly an aircraft, how you build an aircraft, how do you control an aircraft, how do you provide security to an aircraft, what kind of systems are there in aircraft. And I think think that robotics is part of industrial uh, 4.0, which everyone talks about, and aerospace and aviation will not be... Um, uh, cannot just say, "Hey, we are different," because it's not going to be like that. Just because you know it's highly regulated industry, and um, and it's highly critical uh, from a perspective that if you look at this this beautiful machine, uh, you know it actually operates in an environment which is not conducive for that particular machine. In fact, it is opposite to that particular machine. So there are checks and balances, but that doesn't mean that robotics cannot play a role in that. And, and, and my passion for robotics is an area of not expensive robots. My, my passion for robotics is that, look, uh, definition of employment in airports and airline. If I take airports and airline example have to change uh, if you look at any airport, you know, especially airports uh, you know, where 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 aviation is growing, uh, you know, building an airport infrastructure is expensive, you know, right from land, you know, acquisition of land to build on it. And, and there is a limitation of how many floors or how many stories you can build off it because air, air traffic controller rules and all that stuff. So when you have constraints of land, when you have constraints of parking, when you have constraints in air and space and all those stuff, uh, you have to seriously think about machines and robots are one kind of machines. For example, when I introduced my first robot, actually it was not for an airline, it was for an airport. And I questioned that why everyone has to go to a counter. Why can't counter come to a passenger and get things done? <laughs> okay. You change the rule. Now people may think that it is it is, it is, a romantic idea. It's a difficult idea to implement, but if you actually look at things which are happening now, uh, and if you connect things from an area of uh, biometrics, uh, self-scanning, self-baggage and all this stuff, these are steps towards robotics. Only thing is that I jumped the lane and I basically said that robotics, <laughs> robotics are going to be there. In a way, it's sad also that it took COVID uh, to basically create a fear of contact. And that fear of contact actually brought people. oh, How do we service our aircrafts? How do we clean our aircrafts? How do we clean our airports? How do we service our customers? Uh, can everything will be done in a contactless way? Uh, that should not be the real reason for robotics. Look, I, I talk about robots which are uh, robots which are thousand dollars robots, which are ten thousand US dollars robots. I don't talk about robots which are million dollar kind of robots. So if somebody can create, let's say a uh, a ten thousand uh, you know uh, dollar robot, and if that ten thousand dollar robot can basically change the whole shift structure, if if it can make life easier, uh, if 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 it can increase the profits of an airport and airline, then people have to seriously think about it. What happens to the employment? Well, employment can be seen in a different way. A person who was doing a manual labor, can we impart skill to that particular person so that he becomes a far better skilled person and can manage robots? Or manage the tech behind robots. I think that's the way, uh, and that's the philosophy which I carry. Because whether we like or like it or not, if we have to actually grow our industry and take this industry forward and compete with other parallel industry, which can be you know you know rails or autonomous cars uh, or anything or or to to that extent you know small distance drones uh, uh, in in that way, uh, we have to seriously think about how we can uh, do innovations uh, to make. Uh, uh, the whole ecosystem far more efficient. So that's how we look at robots and that's how I've created series of robots. Uh.
0: Now, I like this idea, like you said, application at airports or even airlines that, okay, because we are so predefined if, in how we think about the airline experience. It's like you said, it's like this maze. First you come into the parking, then into the building, then the first uh, counter, mm-hmm. then you go through security. And it's like this predetermined path that's been there forever. So if you look at it out of the box and say, okay, why doesn't the counter move or why doesn't the a robot move? Can this robot do different functions, not only one, like a counter? I think this is really, to me, out of the box thinking, but also quite logical due to the limitations that you set. But if I go back, you said, okay, you're, one, you're building not expensive or $1,000 or $10,000 robots. How do you actually start building one? How do how can one start doing that? Because you actually, with the team, you build one, right? Yeah. So that is
1: fascinating. You know, whenever somebody talks about building robots, you know, they make it sound so complex, so difficult, so sexy, if I can use that particular word, that oh, by the way, oh, it's very complicated to build a robot. Robot is essentially a machine. Robot is essentially a machine. It can be complex and it can be simple depending upon things which you want to do. Uh, Most things which which we do outside of an aircraft, okay, they are not highly, highly precision-based. For example, movement of robot, finding obstacles, solving simple problems in terms of uh, identifying a customer, taking a baggage from one place to another, finding and identifying um, a customer and taking it through uh, to the to the to the gate, a uh, cleaning of an aircraft. Okay, serving tea or coffee or something like that, which I'll come to the later. Okay, these are very very simple things. Okay, these are very very simple things which can be performed by very simple robots. And the movement of robots is something very critical. If you want robot to basically climb stairs, the cost goes exponentially up. But if you put four wheels uh, under the hood of a robot, and if uh, that robot can be, you know, extraordinary. Well, if you basically use commodity cameras as an optics uh, to basically identify and solve uh, problems of uh, of obstacle recognition and avoidance, you know these are simple problems. So how do I create it? Well, you know I created out of students, uh, frankly, okay? Because no one in my own industry they will all say, "Oh, wow, Ravi, you know you are doing great thing and all the stuff." Uh, but companies, uh, you know, uh, uh, either they will say, "Hey, this is not going to happen," or, if, or or if it's going to happen, they will basically think in terms of cost. Uh, because, you know, normal engineers will be expensive. So I went to a university and I actually found four, four students who were actually doing their engineering. And I said, hey, do you want to create this for me? And they said, oh, wow, <laughs> that would be fun. And we created this thing. Uh, we, we created mechanisms of robot. Everything was built on open source and, and it was fun. Uh, but then robot needs to have a body and that requires fabrications and all that stuff. And luckily, 3D printing came for our rescue. So we we kind of 3D printed. Um, uh, it took us like four uh, four chances to get to the right one, uh, but we just 3D printed, and that was actually printed out of another university's 3D printer, which they which they loaned us for a very very uh, you know small amount. And then the, the the third one was basically you know painting it and making it nice and all the stuff. For that we actually went to a car mechanic. <laughs> um, um, and and he was the best guy, you know. He couldn't, speak, he couldn't speak great English, but he knew how to paint machines, and he and he used all the tricks and all the stuff. So that's how I built my my first robot. um, um uh, and and it was fun. And once people saw it and it got the attention, uh, which um, which I never thought it will get, uh, then it was far more easier. Um, this was within an airport uh, kind of a thing.
0: I love this approach as we are talking before the show i'm not that much into engineering or mechanics my let's say background is digital marketing and e-commerce but why i was curious also about your work and especially what you talk now is because we have a common friend this is stefan tonke from harvard business school and he's preaching about experimentation and how experimentation is the source of innovation. And we at the digital marketing space do this about, we should experiment, do A-B testing. In that area of the world, now experimentation has grown exponentially because it's easy to do with software. But what you basically explain now, it's like this MVP approach to building a robot. And this is like where I think we have a lot of time, especially in the airline industry limitations, because like you said, we have this, okay, this will take uh, this project to build a robot. Will take two years, thousand one hundred thousand of dollars, but you just build a small experiment and try to do like an MVP to prove that it works. An application, I love this experiment. So, no, absolutely, and you know, Professor Thomke, Professor
1: Stephen Thomke, is a great inspiration. You know, he he was he is my professor. He's a rock star professor, <laughs> um, and 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 very very true what you mentioned. He he explains. Uh, Possibilities of uh, which can open out of experimentation. He he stresses on A/B testing and and some sort of uh, A/B test. So 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 let me just uh, you know tell you who were my testers. Uh, you know the best the best people who test this thing. Uh, you know um, a machine which is both hardware as a software are people who are extremely free, extremely critical, but extremely honest. And I found um, a group of children okay and i just gave this robot to them and i said look you know do something about this and uh, in my first testing you know they criticized this so much and almost everything which i thought will work um you know had defects in that and then i actually found people who were uh, 60 years plus okay and 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 they basically uh, uh gave me certain use cases which i couldn't think um uh, and then there was a uh, you know iteration of another uh, another making it better, and then uh, so I always tell nowadays that if you are creating a game, or if you are creating a gaming machine, or if you are creating a mixer grinder, or if you are creating uh, a robot or something like that in a consumer uh, or or in a or in a consumer behavior space. Um, make sure that people who are below the age group of 13 years and people who are above the age group of 60 years, uh, they test your thing and they can tell you remarkable. Uh, But coming back to Professor Thomke, you know, he's a very, very wise person when it comes to innovation. Uh, One thing which he always tells, be very careful with money which you are spending on innovation, because people look at innovation with, uh, they find it extremely, extremely sexy, but, but they look at it with suspicion. If it doesn't work, this is a hardened money, this is somebody else's money, this has come from this revenue, or this has been taken from investors. So, 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 so it's better to do it in parts. Experimentation works in parts and, and initial failures are actually good failures. So we had, uh, in, uh, we had initial failures, but they were small failures and we were able to fix it very quickly. Um, and the other thing which you rightly mentioned, right, this two-year business doesn't work in innovation. Oh, I'm creating this and you will see the results after two years, you know, it doesn't work. You know, people have very, very short memories nowadays.
0: So let's say after the initial pilot or the initial robot, I mean, the obvious, uh, the obvious uh, application in the airline industry is like automating of these repetitive tasks, like check-in, like boarding process or uh, these things. What are some other applications that you see? How do you add? some intelligence to the robot, to yeah. be able to do more intelligent uh, tasks.
1: Yeah. You, you actually answered this particular question that anything which is repetitive uh, in, an, in a zone of an airport, uh, just before you arrive at an airport gate and just before you basically take off, uh, you know, can, can be automated through some sort of machine. Robots are very important where uh, repetition of tasks involves movements and movements which are physical movements, and these are simple movements. For example, uh, how do how does robots actually uh, how how does robot finds out that this particular toilet is clean? Okay, um, uh, it doesn't smells. Okay, it can. It's the easiest thing to do using machine learning. It's the easiest use case. Uh, people don't want to do it because they find it. Um, well, first of all, they don't know about it, but that's the easiest one to do it. Um, and then I will go up in this in a difficulty. How do you satisfy a customer uh, based upon certain taxonomies of instructions, which are known one. For example, mm-hmm. here I am this, this is my PNR. Uh, assign me a different seat. Have you assigned me a different seat? Where is my gate? Can you take me to that particular gate? Is my flight delayed? How much it is delayed and all that stuff? Again, this is not much difficult. you know if 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 robot misunderstands some some instructions, again through a very very simple machine learning code you can add those instructions and all that stuff so that's the second level uh, which can be easily um, is done third one is the emotional part of it how do you how do you recognize um, someone um based upon their behavior are they smiling uh, are they suspicious? Are they angry? Are they tired and all those stuff? Now that's a zone where you actually get into machine learning and a little bit of deep learning where accuracy is not that much. and if you really want to do an accuracy, then you need a data set for a prolonged period of time. Now that's something which I say, hey, depending depending upon how your brand is and how you want your brand to be perceived and how much you want to invest in technology and how much do you really believe. In in, in in the true sense of technology, then you should be, then you should discover that. Uh, will it will it happen? I think it will happen very quickly. My last robot, which 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 I did, um, the kind of results which I was getting in terms of facial recognition, when person was smiling and the twitching of eyes, the movement of facial muscles, and all those stuff, that was reasonably accurate. Uh, understanding of language and especially in a country as diverse as in India and translate that was something. Uh, which I was struggling with, but overall, once I'm able to figure out the instruction, you know, I was able to do that. Repetition uh, can also come with some constraints. For example, if my hand movements uh, are 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 of a certain degree, you know, you know, if they are singular in nature, if they are one dimension and two dimension, the moment you get into multiple dimensions. Then the robots become expensive. But if you actually look at airports, right? You know, how much dimensions do you require to take a bag from one place to another? To bring a coffee to someone with you don't require multiple dimensions. You basically require different motions. Uh, so, 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 so I studied airport and airlines uh, from an operational perspective, and I don't think that there is any other place um, at and and so many use cases at one place where. Most repetitive tasks can be automated through uh, robotics or some sort of intelligent machines uh, because it's it's a very sequential game. You reach an airport, you have a ticket, you have to board an aircraft, all these seats are linear in nature, you exactly know how much travel time, everything is linear. There is very, very little non-linear part of it. Hence, airports and airlines are best use cases for robotics.
0: I was uh, really fascinated or curious when you talked about, okay, about uh, recognition of senses, of uh, smell, of uh, get, uh, face recognition or hand gestures. And I started to think, I don't know, maybe it's a, a crazy thought, but a few years, I think it started like five, four years ago. It seems like that every airline out there was building their chatbot, you know? It was like this simple, uh, web programs that they put on the websites or on the Facebook messenger uh, platform, which, were, which was basically automation of the airline websites frequently asked questions. So And then they would do like PNR inquiries, rebooking. So basically, if you can put this chatbot from your website to a real environment and enhance it with, uh, with le- let's say, census, then I think he gets uh, another dimension, and this is uh, what you are talking about i
1: think yeah and 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 if, frankly, if you actually look at the first level of dimensions where you basically sense some very simple emotion based upon what people say and the meaning of those words, uh they are pretty straightforward are you angry um you know are you happy uh you know these uh, these uh, these extreme emotions are are easy to find even through uh you know you know simple nlp code uh only thing is that you need to have a sustainable uh data, data set of of learning but once you're able to achieve that then you can then you can achieve uh you know consistency uh my my hope is that you know it took uh airlines to basically observe Uh, typical retail companies, then financial services companies, and almost every other industry before they adopted chatbot, um, which is very different uh, than the the nature of uh, airline and aviation industries from 1940s to 1970s or uh, mid-80s, where every other industry will look at uh, aviation for any transformation or for any new technology, both from an enterprise software to anything which is related to electromechanical and all the stuff. Now, strange thing is that today, uh, when I when I talk about uh, you know future of uh, uh, of motors, everyone looks at aircrafts and what kind of motors are there. For example, if if you actually look at most motors uh, which are there in mixer grinder, ACs, and all that stuff, which are commodity products, they're induction motors. Whereas airlines are basically saying that hey, maybe there is usage for SRM motors which are rare earth free. Um, uh, which has uh, very less heat dissipation, uh, which are highly, highly performance-oriented. On one hand, you know, once you get into this beautiful machine, you see all kinds of breakthroughs which are happening. Aircraft are becoming lighter and lighter. Humongous amount of innovations which are happening in material management. On the other hand, if you actually look at airlines <laughs> and airports, you know, they actually are looking at banks. I don't know why they will look at banks and retailers and everyone else because they are, in a way... Uh, a producer or user of very, very high tech. So they should lead. Uh, I think time has come when airlines and airports should lead uh, uh, you know, consumer technology per se.
0: Maybe this is, again, more from my, let's say, digital marketing hat. If we put an a-, a robot, let's say, in an airline environment, like an airport, anywhere... What I see where we as an airline industry struggle and you were a CIO, so probably you know this firsthand, is we have a lot of different digital touch points that are not connected. For example, in-flight entertainment system historically or piece of engineering or digital touch points that is still like a black hole. So it's never connected to what's going on, I don't know, on digital marketing, on websites or post-booking. So how we can make sure that this new digital touch point, if you say the, the moving one around uh, the robot, how can we connect it to the airline ecosystem? You, you make a brilliant, brilliant point. You make a really brilliant point, right?
1: You know, everyone talks about e-enabled aircrafts. Everyone talks about it. Those enabled aircrafts are with Airbus as well as Boeing. Tell me how many airlines really utilize those e-enabled aircrafts, right? You know, they restrict enabling of aircraft till maintenance. Okay. So, so, so they deal only with maintenance data. Nobody stops. You know, I have given this, uh, uh, you know, this example so many times. Aircraft to me is a, is basically at the most, there are three network subsets. Okay. Uh, There are three subnets which work. Those three subnets are highly secure and there is a reason why they are highly secure, but the data which actually comes after the aircraft has, stopped operating, or while in motion, and when it reaches a particular destination, nobody stops an airline to use that particular data from a consumer behavior perspective. And if you are brave enough, Okay, I understand the limitations and cost of network while you are in air versus sending data from there because of ACARS and 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 the cost of you know uh, satcom and other things. I hope we will be able to break through that and you know. So I understand those constraints. But to your point, um, uh, should there should there be a, a a data integration between e-enabled aircraft systems? to systems which are there at airport, to systems which are there at uh, related to ground ops at that particular airport from an airline perspective to the reservation systems and to the e- e-commerce system? Answer is yes. A person who is booking that ticket and from a digital marketing perspective, uh, next time when he travels, it would be awesome. It would be amazing that, uh, that airlines know, hey, what did he browse when he was in flight? What, uh, Of course, with his consent, which movie he liked, what kind of food he relished, uh, what he didn't like, uh, and all that stuff. And this is very important information. And this is the information which, you, if you ask me, that is the information which is truly, truly proprietary differentiator airline information because no aggregator can have that information. Because when you are in flight, you are within an aircraft, of a particular airline and you're restricted to the experience which airline can give. And it's it's kind of a shame that no airline wants to really venture and do really deep innovations. And I'm talking about real, real deep innovations because that would be a differentiator. Every other data is there with some reservation system, some aggregators and in in a commodity.
0: It's the only time when you have the real physical experience with the product and that's what the aggregators of the online agencies or the OTAs they don't have. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I could talk about this. I see excitement for hours, but uh, to maybe at the end to conclude one of the trends Digital trends or higher trends that I see f- this year for the industry is we talk about, we call it digital botism, which is basically the industry was hit so hard by COVID. Everybody is in cash burning prevention mode, trying to uh, downside costs so not to go bankrupt before the, the industry recovers. I think when the recovery will start, everybody will want to do this sh- short-term projects or short-term revenue-generating or cost-saving projects, which is logical because it's survival mode. But on the other hand, like you said before, things around are changing, COVID changed a a long time, and a lot of these things with digital transformation, there is a lot of pressure on the airline side to, to do these strategic shifts. So for airlines, the challenge will be how to balance this short and long term. If we go back to robots, to our initial discussion, Is there a short-term application that you say okay like you said we can build this right away and we could make an impact what what kind of application do you see that could help airlines in the short term but also have a long-term implication
1: yeah Um, multiple use cases the easiest one lies in engineering uh, engineering uh, and you know it is it is a little bit related to uh, the regulatory part of engineering also that how many people should be there in line maintenance what what are the process and what are the activities you should do in line maintenance I think that is one use case where robots can really really because uh, uh, because operations are expensive and turnaround time is very very important so I think that is one area where robotics can easily come and I'm talking about simple robots that's one. Second, I am also talking about simple robots in the store part of, of engineering. Uh, how to pick the right parts, how to ensure that you know, you know the warranties of those parts, you exactly know uh, what is the shelf life, and, and so on and so forth. And, and inventory count is, is very, very accurate. Uh, so, one is, 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 uh, so these are the use cases on the engineering side. On the customer side, I think it is time has come that APIs have to play a far more important role than just restrict themselves to reservation systems uh, and e-commerce systems. I think they need to tie deeply into an ecosystem of airports. Somehow, uh, somehow, uh, I don't know, I have never understood this particular fact, and most CEOs uh, of, of airports are my friends, that why there is uh, a, a bridge, a integration bridge between an airport and, and airlines. I think that bridge has to be broken so that commodity tech replaces this very very expensive technology of kiosks, cus, cute, and and so on and so forth. I think and and, I, and at that place, I think APIs which are traditional native APIs um, of of airlines in combination of robotics in airport systems. They are brilliant use cases they will bring the overall cost of industry uh, dramatically come down and then you know airports can charge airlines lesser in in, in the aspects of space uh, in aspects of systems right from monitoring to uh, kiosks and custom so these are two easy use cases uh, i also feel and i'm going to you know again you know rely on uh, professor thomke and people like uh, professor Tom Thom- thomke you know when 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 there is the toughest time, uh, you know, the easiest, cheapest, and the best innovation happens during that particular time, uh, because most things don't work, there's not enough cash, and and real winners appear out of that. and those real winners make some bets, and they make those bets as, as what will differentiate them. And they invest money and capital in them. I know you have to keep the jobs. I know we have to run the aircrafts and all this stuff. But just a very small proportion of money has to be spent in terms of thinking, hey, we are going to come out of it and how we are going to come out and and be the best in the world. And that's where the innovation money should go. Now, it depends upon whether you want to put that money in robotics or you want to put it in digital marketing or you want to put it in anything else which you want to do but that is a very, very important element of strategy. And history is, is all about facts. If you actually look at history of any company, irrespective of aviation, um, you know, banking, manufacturing, forests, anything, you will look at companies which have survived for a very, very long time. Uh, uh, during tough times, they did investments. And I think airlines should also, and airports should also seriously think about carving an innovation budget and use it to create a differentiator now.
0: I agree. Like you said, when there is not such pressure like we're seeing now, then we are more in this optimization mindset. So we try to optimize the 10, the five, the 15%. But when you t- try to really change things, so change the for 100%, you need to have a different approach out of the box thinking and go back and innovate. And I hope, Like you said, some of the things in our industry will change. The whole, some of the ecosystem, like you said, is built on some uh, legacy technology, some legacy uh, digital environment and hope it will change for the better. Ravi, thank you. This was a great talk. I will share uh, the links and the videos to some of your inventions with the audience. I really recommend everybody to check it because uh, at least for me it was... I saw this great enthusiasm and innovation and I will continue monitoring your work in the future uh, in the area of especially robotics. Thank you and
1: gratitude for that it was a privilege and an honor and if if I can if I can help or contribute and co-create um, with 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 your audience and with communities across the world you know I mean you know, I will be very very happy to do so.
0: This podcast is supported by Pros. Are you looking to optimize revenues across revenue management? retail and distribution, with more than 30 years of experience and a legacy in the airline industry, Proz provides AI-powered solutions that optimize selling in the digital economy. Pro's customers, who are leaders in their markets, benefit from decades of data science expertise infused into our industry solutions. If you like this podcast, check out Pro's Podcast, The View from 30,000 Feet, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Proz website or visit the Resource Center at prose.com to access our special COVID-19 edition webinars and blog posts.